Welcome to HealthCast. This is your host, Adam Patterson. This episode looks back on this month's House Oversight and Veterans Affairs Digital Modernization Summit, where leaders from both the VA and House Committee on Veterans Affairs shared their insights on the agency's digital transformation and its response to the COVID-19 pandemic. COVID-19 put unforeseen strain across all federal agencies, demanding a rapid adaptation to the greatest public health crisis in over a century. These stressors were especially difficult for departments that managed a large breadth of public services, particularly in terms of maintaining continuity of operations. These challenges were only compounded by the social distancing precautions necessary to limit the spread of COVID-19, measures that limited, if not ended, in-person interactions and on-site work altogether. Both VA leadership and U.S. representatives serving on the Committee on Veterans Affairs understood the importance of upholding agency services throughout the pandemic. Thankfully for the Department of Veterans Affairs, an ongoing modernization initiative proved to be a considerable asset for mobilizing a COVID-19 response that allowed for smoother continuity of agency services. As chairman of the House Committee on Veterans Affairs, Mark Takano discussed, VA was able to accommodate a rapid shift to telehealth care due to this substantial modernization program, with the congressman expressing hope the VA would continue to build out its telehealth capacities to reach underserved communities. We're pleased that VA was able to rapidly expand telehealth capacity. Um, I have to compliment them on that. Uh, We were able to support supplemental appropriations for these efforts through the CARES Act. So the CARES Act anticipated uh, their telehealth needs. During the pandemic, approximately 80% of VA activities have shifted to telephone and video. Approximately a thousand percent increase, a thousand percent increase in telehealth capacity in the first three months of the pandemic. Uh, And after that expansion, uh, VA has a capacity for 15,000 concurrent calls. Those calls are happening at the same time. Now, we will be overseeing where VA uh, takes telehealth from here. Um, VA has been a leader in telehealth and it's poised to continue being a leader. We would like to see VA make an increased effort to reach underserved communities, communities that can benefit from telehealth, such as native veterans and, um, and women. However, Takano also recognized that the VA's fourth mission, or its obligation to become America's healthcare system of record during times of crisis, produced additional responsibilities on the agency that have been necessary to uphold as well. The VA uh, will come in to a situation where there, a locality has an overwhelmed healthcare system. And this is normally done in the, the case of a hurricane or an earthquake or a fire where uh, the local health systems are, are stressed, VA is, is part of that emergency backup system. Uh, and that's what is known as the fourth mission of the VA. Um, and so, um, you know, I worked diligently with, uh, you, know, um, the, you know, my Republican colleague, uh, Chair, uh, uh, Ranking Member Rowe, uh, and uh, we made sure uh, that they were and are able to um, care for both our veterans and the larger pandemic, a larger public during the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's why um, I advocated for veterans and secured um, a $20 billion uh, uh, sum in the CARES Act to ensure that VA was prepared throughout the crisis. The first mission was taking care of veterans and their healthcare needs, but we also had to 
had to account for the added responsibility of VA uh, to move into areas of the country where there were uh, 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 huge stresses on the healthcare system to actually take care of civilians as well. Speaking to the sheer scope of the VA's modernization program, ranking member of the Veterans Affairs Committee, Phil Rowe, noted how the agency's electronic health records modernization and telehealth has benefited veterans. I go back to where um, I remember our first, uh, we, we computerized our office charts for four of us, our, our billing. It was a huge computer that was bigger than my desk I'm sitting behind right here now and was out of date in 18 months. And technology was going from a rotary phone to a, to a dial punch phone. We've gone from that to the, uh, to the electronic health record. I had the, the experience of, of putting an electronic health record in my own office. And we had, uh, I don't know, 80,000 charts. And I realized how big of an undertaking that was just for one single office. So I knew that this undertaking at the VA, when you're talking about millions of records across 170 medical centers, almost 1,000 CBOGs, that is an enormous undertaking. And so in the last Congress, I, I actually ran again because I wanted, and the pandemic sort of kneecapped us on this, but was to really sort of help get this off the ground and going because I understood how critically important for patient care this actually is. I've visited many centers around the country. I've been in Spokane several times. I was in Seattle where they're rolling it out, and they started rolling it out in the north. Uh, West, as DOD had already done. Um, and it, it became obvious to me that we need a lifetime virtual electronic health record from the time a young recruit goes in at 18 years of age and then transitions to the VA. And then, uh, you know, as Vietnam's been over almost 50 years. So that time has gone by. And think about the treasure trove of information you could have if you had an electronic record on all of us at the end of Vietnam. Right now, you wouldn't have had any questions about uh, Blue Water Navy or Agent Orange. You could have mined those records and found out it. I'd right now think about burn pits. Going forward, and look, we haven't had our last war, unfortunately, and, and last engagement of our military. You take a young recruit now, put them in that system, and then when they're my age, you'll be able to look at that and find out, yeah, this this was something that their service did, or no, it was not. Uh, so I, I think it's critically important. And, and one of the things, and it was mentioned earlier, I think, if anything good came out of the pandemic, the transition to telehealth was one of them, uh, both not only at the VA, but in the private sector, literally in my own medical practice. It helped keep us afloat where we could see our patients, take care of our patients, and and uh, keep our practices open. And the VA has done exactly that, which is, a, I think, a very good thing. And I, I mentioned, and I'll have these numbers wrong, but uh, just in mental telehealth visits, they went from thousands to hundreds of thousands of those, which was a good thing because the patients didn't get disconnected. One of the bad parts about COVID is it's isolated us. Here we are right now. We do this in person if it were not for COVID. And patients are sitting home. Many uh, folks are alone and despondent. And this is a way to connect and, st and keep their care going. Congressman Rowe was especially keen to note that telehealth has provided a vital holdover during both COVID-19 and would also provide crucial support during other unforeseen crises as well. 
What this is going to do, I think, is going to enhance the Mission Act, the, the increase of telehealth. It'll allow the VA doctor to have that to have that visit with a patient that may be miles and miles and hours away. In this case, a pandemic. One of the one of the things that worried me about the pandemic, and and we we will learn from this, and we'll have an after action report, is delay of healthcare because I saw it happen mm-hmm. when when the the pandemic is, was at its maximum back in March, April, and May uh, in many places. Patients didn't come in, and so their care got uh, delayed. I think we'll learn from that and be able to, as we position both in the private sector and the VA, to provide that care via telehealth if we run across anything like well, It could be a, a hurricane. It could be some other natural fires, for instance, that are going on now in California where maybe a patient needs to be checked, and you'll be able to do that via telehealth. Veterans Affairs IT leadership expanded on this discussion with Principal Deputy Assistant Secretary Dominic Cusat describing how the VA's digital modernization program left the agency much better prepared to adapt to the challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic. In terms of COVID, um, we think that this um, IT modernization and then subsequent IT digital transformation set ourselves up nicely to be able to uh, withstand the demands of COVID-19, how we had to move to a very virtual workforce. Uh, We had to support telehealth, um, telecounseling, telehearings, um, uh, telework for our workforce. So I think if... uh, because we had all, the, all of these efforts afoot, it positioned us nicely. This has been especially pronounced with the VA's cloud migration, a foundation that CUSAT said allowed the agency to safely and comprehensively scale both digital services and remote work. Throughout the course of that, uh, we drove movement of VA to the cloud. Uh, we were, you know, we were one of the uh, biggest uh, entities in government that really pushed a move to the cloud. We established our VA Enterprise Cloud with with great commercial cloud partners. Uh, we've moved hundreds of applications and services into the cloud. Having that cloud instance there enabled us to very quickly and agilely scale into the cloud and get that capacity we needed. We didn't have to build it out in the VA. It was there. As Executive Director for Demand Management, Drew Michaelgard emphasized, these investments in IT modernization have been crucial for supporting the VA's exponential expansion in the use of telehealth services during the pandemic. So we focus on some key areas. One is expanding our telehealth. Previously, telehealth had been directed from within our facility where a specialist would reach out to another specialist in the consult. We flipped that model to where our physicians were dealing directly with with veterans so they didn't have to come in, especially for low acuity issues. Um, We ensured that as regional office shut down or BSOs were not able to intake claims, that we were able to keep that. We were able to push out um, more advanced APIs and and bring some some of our backend systems online that we'd always planned to to build out, but accelerated that. Charles and his team um, really really expanded our, the capabilities of our 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 smartphone channel. So that text was mentioned, chat botting, and then lastly, um, we really had to boost our logistics efforts. So the monitoring and, and movement of supplies around the nation as as COVID ramped up in specific areas. So that, that was something that that affected veterans. Um, directly and, and getting that PPE in the right spots um, or PME in the right spots and then um, making sure that we had enough um, capabilities to, to serve their needs when they came in. 
VA Deputy CIO Paul Brubaker noted that COVID-19 served to further refine the VA's modernization priorities and accelerate its IT transformation to better respond to the demands imposed by the pandemic. I think it's important for everyone to understand that COVID really represented an accelerating event in terms of us executing our roadmap. So the um, the digital first care model um, was actually part of our roadmap. Um, if you go to the VA strategic plan, um, if you even look at the president's management agenda around the customer service goals, um, you would see that uh, that this may this this is a priority for the department. Now, our whole approach around COVID was to make sure that we were laser focused on what the immediate needs were, but but everything that we executed. Uh, with respect to building out telehealth capacity, um, uh, enabling fourth mission, were all um, activities that were on our roadmap, and, and including things like um, uh, being able to sense and respond to the hiring surge that we saw. As Salesforce Director of Global Health and Life Science, Greg McDavid, explained, this acceleration of digital modernization in response to the pandemic has been universal across both government and private industry. You know, in all regions of the world, whether you're talking here in uh, North America or you're looking at the EMEA region or Asia Pacific, everyone has taken the digital first operations model um, from a nice to have or a roadmap to a necessity uh, almost overnight. And they've pulled forward those budgets and they've, you know, they've dropped um, other initiatives in order to put this in place. Some of that has been uh, because of necessity to stay in business for some of these organizations. Um, you know, we saw a huge shift in our ability to provide services, whether you're talking a healthcare provider uh, in the truest sense or kind of this mixed um, provider payer systems that are out there in the public sector as well that are a little bit more comparable to the VA model. Um, but all of them have pulled that forward and uh, realized that they had to have it. We've been in conversations, though, with these organizations for years now, um, and it's all been on most of their roadmaps to adopt these kind of um, operating models. And like you said, shifting from CapEx to OpEx. In discussing the VA's digital services, Deputy Chief of the Veterans Experience Office, Barbara Morton, outlined that the agency is tied to the modernization of agency services closely to the feedback they receive from VA customers. As we know, um, veterans, their families, caregivers, and survivors are always kind of looking for a digital front door, and we want to ensure that we're infusing the voice of the veteran using human-centered design practices, as you mentioned, Andy, and as prior panelists have mentioned as well, to make sure that we're making enhancements that actually meet the needs that veterans tell us that they want, rather than us sort of trying to think of the right solutions for them. VA has also been keen to fortify their partnerships with key suppliers to ensure acquisitions are up to speed to meet this rapid modernization, a process described by Deputy CIO LaWanda Jones. We knew that we had to understand, uh, one, our strategic capabilities that we needed. And based upon those strategic capabilities, you know that there's a strategic vendor that's providing those capabilities. So we partnered with our vendors, and I'm sure Maheen from uh, Dell, who was on previously, talked about the relationship that we had. I, I can tell you that we had 
conversations with our vendor partners on Saturdays, on Sundays, 24 by 7 on speed dial because we had to understand the supply challenges. You, Paul, Paul Brubaker talked about how we had weeks to get a new facility up. We could not do that without innovative acquisitions, without having the partnering and the relationships with those businesses that delivered those capabilities. So out of the gate, we had to have those strategic partnerships and we had to have uh, those partnerships at the top level. We hope you enjoyed the program and would love to see you at our upcoming Digital Health Modernization Forum on October 1st. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris, Adam Patterson, and Faith Ryan. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.